welcome to the Hunters Hub. Uh, today, joined by Haru, as usual. How are you doing? Oh, you know, me, Fortran, I feel four to five. Four to five. Four to five. Yeah, just really? this four to five in my body and mind. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is your host, Fortran. Uh, thank you, Wolfie, for the music. And today, if you couldn't tell from Haru's joke, we're <laughs> we're gonna be talking about PlayStation Five. Uh, of course, we're a podcast. We try to do weekly, but we, you know, didn't have a lot of news, uh, and then we also been busy. But we're gonna be as close to it as we can on talking about PS Five. Um, and then also, we'll uh, at the end of the uh, episode, we'll get back into what we've been doing of the week. But because it's such a big news thing, we want to start with PlayStation Five. So um, to start us off. Um, not a huge PlayStation fan myself, although I have owned every PlayStation. I've always considered it my second system. But uh, it's still interesting to me what they're doing here. Um, so, Haru, um, you seem very excited about this, so why don't you start us off? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, in general, I wouldn't consider myself super techie, but it is interesting to think. Uh... There, There's some tech stuff that is interesting that doesn't have to be so complicated. Yeah, just like what next gen's gonna look like. This is our first real right. concrete details. Um, so basically, this is all from a Wired interview by Peter Rubin interviewing Mark Cerny in a controlled PlayStation Sony environment. So they're right. Uh, just some basic details to start. They said that uh, this wasn't coming out this year, uh, obviously, and that yeah, they'd already 20, sent dev kits out to is about certain the developers. Right. 2020 is the soonest where we're going to see this. Yeah, uh, they're calling it. Uh, they're not calling it the PlayStation Five, uh, but they will be eventually, probably. I mean, it'll just be called that by people. Yeah. Just like people called Monster Hunter World Monster Hunter Five at times. The PlayStation Vita for Life, spelled with L Y F E. Um, Don't do that. It'll hurt it. <laughs> But the big thing is that it's using the PlayStation 4 architecture, which in human speak means that it's going to have backwards compatibility, uh, mm -hmm. seemingly both digitally and with discs, because it also has a disc drive. Mm -hmm. So hmm. I think that brings up a lot of issue or not issues, but just like interesting elements to this, because this gen was all about remasters almost. Uh, I mean, there's some things that were pretty original that that you know kind of kind of graced our <laughs> graced gamers. Um, you know, that did pretty well. But yeah, there was a lot of remasters and a lot of looking at, at things. And this has been a long generation of that too. We're go we're going on what seven years now? Is 2012 was the first PS4, right? Uh, yeah, 2012 was Wii U. It released at fall of uh, 2013. Oh, yeah. So it, the generation got kicked off with Wii U. And then <laughs> yeah, PlayStation... Sure. No, it was. It was on the same generation. And then they're like, okay, this isn't competing. Right? So then they got the Switch. Which, I don't know. We can't even count Nintendo in the generations anymore. They've, they've gone off kilter too much now. But, uh, yeah. So 
not seven, but six years we've been going with this console generation. Again, a long generation where we had an eight-year generation before that, which the norm up until now has been five years, um, which was predicated by Nintendo and Sega. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I think they want to go for longer lifespans because they don't want people to buy a PlayStation a couple of years in and like next year, oh, the new PlayStation has been announced and have that feeling of your investment well, that, is... They don't see a need to invest a bunch of money into manufacturing new systems when they're still making money on the current systems, too. I mean, that was the that was the big to-do about PlayStation 4. They were kind of reluctant to, to sort of kill off PlayStation 3 because it was doing so well at that point. Which is um... funny because it did so bad to start with. But um, but anyway, what I was trying to get to with the remasters is, is Sony going around and saying, like, if you've ever ported or uh, remade your game for PlayStation 4, stop it. You can't make that game again for PlayStation 5. Like, are they going to say Maybe. that? or Because Probably there's a, a huge backlog of, of games that have been ported, actively developed to bring them to PlayStation 4 or and oh, Xbox. Yeah. Well, I mean, so there's, uh, gosh, we talk about like Borderlands, Dark Souls, like there's all sorts of games, and you're right, there's remastered editions, uh, Darksiders, like these are just off the top of my head, there's probably multitudes more of games that are just straight up remasters. Um, even New and Tasty, which is uh, Oddworld, even Oddworld got it, uh, got a facelift, which yeah. is weird, or odd, you might say. But yeah, yeah, you have a good point. Like, maybe, you know, maybe they are trying to eliminate that, especially with the whole backwards compatibility thing. Although that didn't stop them from porting stuff um, for the Xbox stuff, didn't they? I don't remember. Like, Do you know any games Xbox that has that backwards compatibility now, right? That wasn't a launch thing. But a lot of games are backward compatible now, and they're still remasters. But I think that was because it was on PS3 and then also PS4, so they just did the same thing for Xbox One. That's my guess, at least. Yeah, because... Bo- all the titles I mentioned did the same thing, like Borderlands, Dark Souls, Darksiders, like all that stuff. I'm not sure, but I think Microsoft have also made statements to the effect that uh, the Xbox Next is going to be running on the same sort of architecture, and will have you'll be able to play your Xbox One games on it. So yeah. it could it could be a shift there if none of the main consoles are, if none of the consoles right. at all are backwards compatible, or I mean are lacking backwards compatibility. Yeah, it's backwards compatibility is always a weird thing because like. Yeah, you want to still be able to play your games, but like nothing told you to sell the old system. <laughs> yeah, I mean? like, the... but then again, that's kind of why game resale shops do so well now, I suppose. Right? Because like GameStop doesn't do that too much anymore. Yeah, they'll have like one gen back, but they don't have a, like a few gens back or anything. Right. Um, and the other thing, besides remasters and old games that this has um, ramifications for, is... Um, so, the other thing this has ramifications for is 
cross-gen games, which is that window around 2013, 2014 and on, where we were getting two versions or four versions of most cross-platform games on both the last PlayStation, Xbox, and the current ones. So, do developers have to put in that work to port their games to the new systems now, or are they just going to throw the old PlayStation 4 version on an next gen and call it good? And, I, I know. <laughs> like, I you could know. potentially see a game developer for PlayStation 4 have a PS5 box and just, like, put it in a GameStop and sell it for PlayStation 5. Yeah, that's a bit weird. Um... Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. I mean, it's it's great in the sense that I don't want all this uh, just granular licensing BS with like, oh, you, you own the physical copy of the game for PlayStation 3, but not the digital copy. And if you go to PlayStation 4, you'd have to buy the play- physical and digital editions again if you wanted to play the game in those ways. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, that's... that's... It's interesting. Um, they did. I uh, so I listened to uh, another podcast talk about this, and they made the point of upgrading. So, like, if you bought like a PlayStation Four version, maybe pay like they did with um, uh, the Wii uh, eShop to the Wii U eShop, where like certain games had more features, so they cost like two bucks more. So they just made you pay the difference. So, like, what if, like, there was just, like, a surcharge fee to, like, hey, if you want to get the PS5 version, but you had the PS4 version, like, here's, like, a $5 charge to digitally upgrade it. You're probably right. There will be stupid stuff like that where you have to buy the same thing twice. But if it's literally, like, the PlayStation 4 version of the game running on PlayStation 5, I don't see how they could charge for that with this sort of capability in the box. Nintendo did it with Mario 3. Like, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I think Mario 3 was a little bit before we bought games digitally. <laughs> Just um, No, I would say specifically like the Wii eShop to the Wii U eShop. Like, oh, the virtual console. Yeah, that, that, the virtual console of the older games, there was a surcharge to upgrade it to the Wii U version. <laughs> like... It was weird, but I don't know. It worked, I guess. It's and there was a there was a yeah. I mean, like it's not great, but that's what we that's what I've seen. You know what I mean? Like it's it's all I know. Um, so we should probably uh, get on to the next things. Um, here it comes the PlayStation Next, whatever the hell it's called will have a CPU of a third-generation AMD Ryzen line with eight cores of 7 nanometers Zen 2 microarchitecture and a custom unit for 3D audio, which is another one of the more legible uh, bullet points of the system. Right, so CPU, super good, 3D audio. We can actually talk about the 3D audio. Because, like, we don't actually know what that CPU specifically is. Um, that's just sort of like, hey, it's in this generation of this brand of <laughs> AMD, like stuff. Like, there's not much to say other than, hey, it will be better, like significantly better. It sounds like, but yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of this stuff too is they're gonna have to make alterations and, like, they don't want to buy all this tech now 
and have to sell this old tech like almost two years from now because then right. they'd just be behind. And so they're going to have to make edits, I imagine, uh, to launch against Microsoft. And who knows if they'll even launch in the same window. Right. It's true. Um, but we can talk about 3D audio, which um, uh, you make a point that uh, Monster Hunter World had already had 3D audio? Yeah, I'm not sure like the technical specifications of that, but they did record it uh, in a way... And it, it gets to something Cerny's talking about in this interview, which is you can hear Monster Hunter World's audio, uh, or any mm. game of 3D audio like Hellblade, uh, if you're just using earbuds or just playing it ambiently in the room. But yes. it doesn't really work or come across very well until you put on headphones or something more uh, high quality. This is true, yes. Um, I don't know, what do you think? Have you noticed this in any games no i've not noticed it in any games um i play on a tv nine out of ten times i don't wear a headset when i'm playing games unless it's computer games um so like it's and even then like i've never had a 3d audio computer game however i have heard 3d audio samples and those are amazing because they actually do sound like they're in different like behind you in front of you beside you like they actually feels like someone walked behind me in my room or something like that. I've actually heard those examples. Uh, and you don't have to have any special headset to do that. It just does it. Um, it's kind of interesting that to think that they might be able to do that without being on your ear. Um, I don't know how that occurs. I don't even know how it occurs on your ear to be as you know, to be honest. So, uh, we'll have to wait and see is kind of my approach, but I think it, it sounds like it's a harder, harder to achieve with the, you know, the audio typically being all in front of you. That's why people buy surround sound systems. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's just like that they've recorded it. So it's capable for 3d and they can sort of mm -hmm. play it through your stereo speakers, like left and right, uh, or the two sides, but it's not going to be a full, like immersive experience unless you have, uh, okay, so, 3D audio capable headphones and things. Right, so you think it's just going to be par for the course, it's just more of it's going to be available. Um, yeah, I, th I think to get the full effect, you're going to have to uh, buy in a bit. Get a headset, game with a headset, ignore more people in your life while you game. Yeah, that sounds about right. So I will say, uh, playing Monster World, uh, or a game with that, with, uh, like Sony's Platinum headset, which is kind of affordable, but uh, it has it's has that kind of tech in it. Yeah, uh, it's a big difference. Uh, well, what I should say is it's very noticeable, and it's very uh, you can de definitely tell like turning around in the middle of a fight, like oh, this monster is screaming over there, or this sound effect is coming from over there. Uh, at least in a vague directional sense. And this is going to get more yeah. and more interesting uh, if they do end up making some sort of PlayStation VR 2 or if games, more games start getting VR versions. Um, so this is sort of tangential, but it's kind of related to audio. Um, uh, so I, I went to go see um, Hellboy in theaters uh, yesterday. And there was a broken speaker. 
uh, in the theater. <laughs> that it was. It, it's weird because it's like everything was fine except for the music. Apparently, the music plays in one speaker or one set of speakers. So the music was like at twenty percent capacity, and the rest of the movie was fine. So it was a really interesting experience to be like, wow, this is kind of what I would normally play on a video game sometimes if I've heard the music like 10,000 times, but it's a movie. So it was kind of weird to sort of like, hey, here's this montage of us traveling or something, which normally is just predicated by music and it's just quiet. It was like quiet rock music while we're, we're watching a landscape. And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> so tangents aside, like... It just reminded me of that. I was like, this is one of the weirdest movie experiences. <laughs> um, well, hopefully the PlayStation 5 doesn't ship with broken uh, audio <laughs> infrastructure. That would be yeah, bad. No, 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 no. Oh they, my they god, that would be so bad. Over that. But to, 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 you mentioned music. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's really important in this discussion. Because 3D audio, even in Monster Hunter World, if you have the music loud or like near 100, it's like you can barely hear it because music uh right it doesn't have a, it's not diegetic it doesn't have a source in the environment it's just statically playing uh it's through all inputs it's just, it's just there yeah it's it's not supposed to be in front of you or behind you or beside you it's just there so it just it can muffle uh these more kind of ambient audio signatures uh like directional audio so and like if you think about it Every game has music in combat, uh, or when you're traveling, or where you, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not about most games aren't about ambient audio. They have a composed soundtrack, and that's how they sound good. Um, which is sort of a traditional way of doing things, kind of movie like. Like you, you think you go into the scene, the fa- action starts, the music starts playing because you're watching these characters, and the music is sort of carrying the action in a sense. Um, it's not just like deadpan what you see on screen is what you get and you have this audio that's sort of the world that you're inhabiting even it's something like a skyrim which is very immersive uh you still have this ambient but still very present soundtrack that uh supports a lot of the game yeah so, so i just wonder how much the 3d audio is going to matter if games continue to be designed in this traditional fashion as opposed to something that's more like vr friendly or more immersive you know, I don't know. Um, that they may change that mentality, especially with, uh, um, you know, you talk about VR, PlayStation. You know, they have their own VR stuff already, and they talk about that. You know, they don't haven't really said what they're doing with PS5 and VR, but um, they said it's definitely a focus. It's still important to them. I think was with the exact quote. Uh, yeah, they just said. To. It's important, but they're not talking about the VR. Right. So I think that, you know, I think that with the 3D audio and that kind of stuff, I think they may sort of, I don't know, try to adjust that mentality. I could see them doing that, um, but I don't see every developer following along with that. You know, like music is is always, you know, from, from the beginning of, you know, um, maybe not the beginning, but you know, for a long time, and gaming has been a big focus, uh, you know, in on it. Um, 
I listen regularly to a lot of video game music, like through uh, OC Remix um, and that kind of stuff. And like music is always going to be a very important aspect. But yeah, with 3D audio, does that need to take a backseat now? Like, does it in order for the audio to work? Because I could see that taking a backseat for something like uh, Call of Duty or something like that, where you know, like you don't have a lot of music during the multiplayer. You're more listening for like, let's say footsteps. That's, that's like a thing. Like you get perks to reduce footsteps and uh, noise in call of duty hmm. and sort of those more um, tactical games where that kind of information is useful. Um, or it's more immersive in that kind of sense. But then again, like, yeah, where, where do we draw that line for music? Um, and I, I could see Sony sort of pushing uh, pushing that to be like, hey, you know, like, think about the 3D audio and how to use it. Like, I mean, you know, Nintendo did this for years. They pushed, you know, whatever goofy feature they were doing, like 3D or <laughs> touchscreen or, you know, for the DS. Like, you know, like the motion controls, like, you know, whatever they're, you know, on, you know, nowadays. That I guess now it's the uh home or portable you know take it on the go focus like they've always kind of encouraged developers especially you know the ones you know more in tune with them to sort of embrace here's our idea of what the system can do i could see playstation pushing that with uh, 3d audio stuff which is hilarious because nothing uses any of the switch's special features except for the docking thing right yeah except for the up res the the milk shaker or whatever the hell the IR scan. Oh, the HD rumble, all that stuff. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. That got abandoned quick. Which you I even mean, forgot about it. <laughs> it's just, oh man. Yeah, but other things they did push it. You know, the motion controls of the Wii, touch yeah, DS. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, I could see PlayStation pushing this pretty hard. Uh, it's a cool concept. Like, if you've ever, if no one's ever listened to, like, just listen to a 3d audio sample um it's actually really cool like it literally does sound like you know like the, the, what i heard was like knocking like a like on a door and it just put it in different spots um, um so, so i do want to move on uh the graphics processing unit it's using a radeon navi that's still sort of like the cpu ambiguous um yeah. but it is going to support ray tracing uh which is a technology where you essentially, if you've ever seen this, a simulation of sort of like uh, bouncy balls ricocheting off of walls in a room, it's exactly that in a video game uh, level, where you trace these rays that represent photons for light or sound waves uh, through the environment. And through that, you generate a more realistic lighting or reflection system or, you know, 3D yeah. audio. Which is more taxing, but yes, it works. It's definitely very taxing, uh, even on PCs. So, again, a lot of these features are kind of higher-end, finer-detail stuff that... Is uh, Joe Schmo Indie Dev going to use them? Probably not. But, yeah, uh, that's... See, this is, this is the thing where, where I kind of tune out. Not, like, tune out, like, as in not paying attention, but tune out, like, okay, this, is, this isn't... I don't see the point in this. Only because, yeah, it's cool to have ray tracing. Like, it's really cool technically to look at. But it doesn't. 
you know what it's going to come at the cost of you know with people who can't afford the budget uh you know they're like oh we're going to put ray tracing in and make it look really good but now we're still going to be at sometimes 30 frames a second on a game you know what i mean like uh it doesn't excite me because every time we get this new tech kind of technology especially a taxing one like this the performance suffers <laughs> most of the time yeah, I don't really need 60 frames per second if I'm playing, like, Dragon Age uh, 5, if that ever comes out. Or, you know... Sure. Oh, man. Uh, you know, just, like, a sort of slow, plotting RPG like that. Or even if it's action combat, it's... Uh, but then again, do you need ray tracing in that either? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, like... I'm not... I mean, I don't know. It's it's really going to depend down to developer ideas, but you know, I'm sure. not a yeah. super graphics intensive person either. Neither, yeah, I, I'm definitely not. I'm I'm playing it, you know, like every week. I, like I've been talking about playing Titan Quest. It came out in 2006. It still kind of looks like it came out in 2006. I'm only I'm, I'm only a snob if you try and make anime in that plastic art style that I hate. <laughs> Stop. But I don't I don't have context to what you're talking about, but I did finish Naruto. So there you go. One step closer to appreciating anime, I suppose. <laughs> the quest <laughs> to appreciate anime. Um so perhaps bigger than the GPU is that it's gonna have a solid state drive of some description. Again, sort of unknown. But Right, but solid state in itself is significant. Um for speed. Definitely for speed. Yeah, because presumably Microsoft's going to match this, right? And then the next gen, including PCs, except for Nintendo, is all going to be loading at the speed um, an SSD can handle. Right. Um, yeah, which which gets onto the story about um, what's his name? Cerny? Uh, showing off you know, more to your point, another game from a previous generation, Spider-Man, um, load times of fast travel. So it went from 15 seconds to under a second is what, is what I recall. Um, yeah. And that's awesome. Um, because yeah, I get, I get tired of load times. I, actually the most infuriating thing for me is getting a new game, sitting down to go play it and, Oh, you can play your new game in four hours, which is, it was six hours with Mortal Kombat 10. I remember that was the most egregious one I I, <laughs> I dealt with. So it's for, like, I'm excited to play. No, I'm not. For download but, speed, you're gonna have have to have a internet that exceeds the bandwidth of your uh, of the PlayStation's SSD. Um, right. Which you know that's gonna depend on where you live. But what well, the one thing they did, but when for they, when the, the one detail they did give about the SSD is that it's gonna have supposedly a higher raw bandwidth than. Uh, ones that are out for PC gaming rigs right now, and that they're going to focus okay. on the in-out uh, uh, infrastructure. Okay. Um, that makes sense uh, as a computer guy, because it's like, yeah, we're basically uh, building it custom for games, which is what we want, right? It's a gaming machine that's what we want to do we want to see a faster load time we want to see faster downloads we want you know like all all that stuff that um you know that would make it better uh 
as far as like, gosh, load times. Did you ever play Just Cause Three? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really have much interest. I I like the series. It's it's a nice open world. Just destroy stuff. You know, stuff that you don't like. But anyways, <laughs> um, uh, it, it's like an over overdone action movie in an open world. Like the physics are exaggerated. Blow stuff up. You know, all sorts of just like crazy stuff. But the load time from booting up the game from the the PlayStation 4 menu, uh, I counted it as 10 minutes from me loading up to starting playing several times. Uh, so it was, and it wasn't like I could just hit start and then, okay, I'm going to play here soon. It was like start and then I had to wait for it to get to the title screen, then select my save, and then that was a loading screen and then it loaded into like the pseudo loading screen of what I wanted to do. Continue playing. Like it was like five different menus I had to go through to start the game, and each one took like multiple minutes to load. And it and was just, it was painstaking. That's sort of um, one of the elements of, of this overall discussion is that if you have a bad developer, like a really shoddy port, um, maybe these higher end features aren't going to be taken advantage of, or maybe they're just gonna hog the whole thing up with inefficient coding and make it look not great even. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, yeah. PlayStation themselves can only do so much to make it faster. Uh, you know, like, like making SSD, which I mean, in general is going to make it faster. Like my computer, uh, I just built it last year. It's the first time I've had, had an SSD in my computer and it boots up in, matter of seconds versus minutes that's just a thing um i could make it faster if i didn't just have one ssd that you know everything's stored on right <laughs> but you know it's still faster so having an ssd is going to it's like it, 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 they have to meet each other halfway the, the public you know playstation the hardware has to has to meet halfway with the software so we'll see if the software picks up their end of it, but yeah, it's it's exciting at least. I I'm I'm personally excited about it having an SSD because of things like Just Cause Three. And I um, still need to play Just Cause. The 4. other ramification of an SSD is that you can actually load the pro like in an open world game, you can actually load the environment around you as you're moving through it quicker, so you can raise the cap on the movement speed of your character. Yeah, um, and um. And pop, reduce pop-in for sure. Oh my goodness, reduce that. Yeah, they didn't say that, but I assume it would reduce pop-in. Um, yeah. Because Cerny showed a demo where he was like <laughs> like a jet as Spider-Man flying through that game. And he would pause it uh, and just look around, move the camera to show that the environment was all loaded in as he like flew through it. Right. I'm sure this right. Spider-Man looked hella goofy, by the way. Um, yeah, because yeah, like no one saw this, you know, like obviously we're an audio podcast, so we don't get to show you those kind of things. But there's this was just an article like no one saw this. This is all secondhand account. Only Mr. <laughs> Peter Rubin got to see right. Spider-Man ragdolling like this. Um, Spider-Man breaking his neck at his own speed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the last uh, big detail was 
Cerny said, We are cloud gaming pioneers, and our vision should become clear as we approach launch. You know, as I read that, I just I just made it dweebier, because just, I mean, listen to what that sounds like. <laughs> this but is where yeah. I face palm. Like, I don't... I understand. And you're like, I want to dispel some things here about cloud gaming, first of all. Cloud gaming is not something that we should be all super excited for with internet speeds the way they are. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not... We're funneling data through a pipeline more so than just... <laughs> like, isn't that a thing? Like, fighting games have, like, they, they have netcode to specifically deal with lag and that kind of stuff. But now we're we're talking about entire cloud gaming. Like, oh yeah, let's just port the whole game up to the server and just talk to the server to play your game instead of playing it offline. Like, I, I don't know. And cloud gaming is just a fancy way of saying, hey, stuff's on the server. Like, yeah, it's it's a... I mean, I'm not opposed to it, but it's not uh, something I'm super excited for. Like, even with the load times, I'm... Like, real long load times, yeah, they get annoying, but 15-second load times on Spider-Man, that's pretty good, as games go. Right, yeah, it's no Just Cause 3. <laughs> that's yeah. <for> sure. <laughs> Uh, but it wouldn't bother me. Just like take a drink, sip of your drink. True. Uh, well, I'm more concerned. So what happens with? I mean, there's a big debacle. Uh, you know, like with Diablo three, right? Diablo three was online only, and that was traditionally a single player game that people got all up in arms about. You know, back in 2012 when that launched. So now we're just supposed to be excited that. Th- that stuff is not going to be offline, right? Uh, everything's online only. Is that the direction that we're talking about with cloud gaming? I, know I it's don't a think it's going to go online only, really. I mean, you see, this this article even has a disk drive. There's still going to be those GameStop moms. Yeah, that's true. I never do it. Yeah, it's definitely still going to have a disk drive because, I mean, that's how... You know, GameStop, Best Buy, and Walmart mostly interact. They now sell digital copies with uh, unlock codes, but yeah, like that, they still like it's still going to be there. But that doesn't stop them from just saying like, "Hey, the disc is in. You're allowed to play. <laughs> Everything's still on the cloud." <laughs> like it, you know, it might just be a piracy check at that point. So yeah, um, I it's. I don't know. That's just me. I'm not, I'm not, like, I wasn't really butthurt over online only to begin with. Um, but I don't, I don't get why companies think I would be excited to have stuff in the cloud. But Um, the system can handle it. The system can handle it. Like, yeah. So the last, like, I guess, detail, hard detail thing is the system supports, of course, 4K and it also can go up to 8K theoretically. Um, okay. Who can afford AK or who can develop AK games? I don't know. Have you met any AK video game developers for Schwant? I mean, no. I've not met any 4K game developers either. <laughs> two, 2K or 2. <laughs> so that's the question. I guess we'll have to wait till uh, more things come out to see if, uh, you know, the sort of launch window games are really going to reach these sorts of resolutions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
personally, it's not a big thing for me because I don't even have an 8K TV. Uh, no one in my family owns one, even. Yeah, like I, you know, it's kind of a jump when people started going to 4K. And even then, I don't know, 4K is getting a lot cheaper, but like it's still not ubiquitous, right? It's not. Oh, did I say 8K? I meant to say 4K. No one in my family owns a 4K TV. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's getting more popular, right? Um, the, one person in my family owns a 4K TV, and it's actually uh, it's actually in my living room. But the, the, <laughs> the thing is, it's like, yeah, it's not... I don't have any plans. Like, when 4K... 4K, like I said, it, four, even 4K is not even everywhere yet and 8k is even less like i've seen one 8k tv i think like right. let alone some people owning them like i i don't know i think it's i think a lot of playstation games especially are pushing for 4k or checkerboarded 4k display whatever uh what what, what is it like false 4k and true 4k and you got me there. It's been a long time since I sold TV, so I don't even... <laughs> There's, like, some terminology to it. Um, right. VHS 4K. Um, <laughs> this is just like a real big roll of tape. It all just, the, all the goes, data on. It just, it just goes so fast, it just tears the tape. It just, just <laughs> instantly catches on fire. The entertainment center, like, starts to burn. It flickers up on the screen. The screen starts, like, warping and turning... And, like, shriveling up. What I think is funny is there may be some listeners who's never even watched something on VHS. They wouldn't even know what we might even talk about. I mean... Tape. That was just, like, when I was very young, to be honest. Uh, It was a good portion of my childhood was VHS. There was a thing about watching a movie too much because it would die. It would die. (laughs) Instead of scratching up your CD... I don't really mind the streaming future in that in that sense compared no, to. No, th- there's there's advantages for sure, but like, all right, I honestly, I live out in the boonies now. Like, I don't live in a big city anymore. I live in the country, right. and streaming isn't going to be um, a forte here for a long time. Like, cloud gaming is of zero interest to me in in my personal situation. It was of little interest to me when I was in a faster area anyways. Like, like, uh, You're telling me the Midwestern United States doesn't have bleeding edge infrastructure? I don't, um, I just don't believe it. There's not even county water a couple streets down, okay? (laughs) So... (laughs) How about corn? You got corn? Lots of corn. And deer. Goddamn deer. <laughs> Lots deer, of deer. Deer-based 4K. Deer-based 4K. You, Antlers and all. Uh, I, I, I don't know where this joke is going. Um, it's going It's going down south. It's just, it's just going. <laughs> Alright, so, yeah, so what are your, I guess what are your overall thoughts of like this interview, this reveal going into so, next year? I think it's uh, in general. I think it's interesting. I I like seeing new consoles, um, but for the same reason, I wasn't excited about PlayStation Four when I had a PlayStation Three. Same reason I'm not excited about PlayStation Five. I don't see anything here actually, other than the SSD. Right, the SSD I'm excited for because of the faster load times. 
I'm not seeing anything here is doing anything different, right? It's just another upgrade. It's like upgrading your PC instead of every whatever stupid years I do it that you're not, you know, you're supposed to do it what, every two years or something or something like something stupid like that. But like obviously unrealistic, but it's like just another upgrade to your PlayStation every now what, seven, eight years, you know, <laughs> like it doesn't feel exciting to me to say, Hey, here's better graphics. I don't feel like games have done a lot to uh, push the boundaries of technology aside from graphics uh, nine out of 10 times. There's, some games that do push those boundaries. Um, we talked about uh, what was the 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 is it called Pine or something? Uh, we talked about in the indie thing for the Switch. Where yes, that's the, the different name. Tribes. This little yeah, Kickstarter where, game. Yeah, that's supposed to push the boundaries of AI and what AI can do. Machine like, learning. Right. So, like that kind of stuff to me, it's exciting. Getting a facelift for more graphics on. What, what we talked about just the same game like are we going to get like on ps5 are we going to get dark souls remastered again dark souls never die edition like like that's, I, that's I, a lie of a title um yeah oh, I, mean, I don't like i i just don't know that, that's interesting to me it'll have to be they'll have to have some sort of policy about it or just like let developers do whatever they want right and it's going to sell like, if there's a Dark Souls remastered PS5, it'll sell, because people like that game, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with liking a game and buying it again. I bought Diablo 3 eight times. It's okay. But, like, it doesn't it doesn't mean I'm excited. I bought it... I mean, I've went into why I bought it eight times. It was always basically all different kind of platforms I wanted to play it on, not because it was remastered. But, you know, like, the... Like, it's... It's just... It's not exciting to me to just see things look better or look slightly better. Like it's cool to see good-looking games. I don't, I don't knock that at all. But it's not as exciting as pushing boundaries. Like we didn't get like the jump from 2D to 3D, right? We've been in 3D for a long time. They're perfecting it. And sure, if I see a Mario 64-looking game on PlayStation 5, I may not touch it. But. You know, <laughs> But, the, you know, in the same vein, like, it doesn't feel that exciting. You know what I mean? I um, want to see well, them... What I want to some... say, though, is that this isn't just a console change. Is that the next generation, because games are developed for consoles, because that's the only way anyone buys them, right. it, games yeah. on PCs are going to improve, too, uh, even if it's just in technical aspects, just in graphics. And I don't, right. think, I don't think that whole narrative from PC gamers about... Uh, the consoles are holding us back is exactly true because like no, the consoles are supporting the whole industry <laughs> uh most of the industry the lion's share at least right so it's exciting that we're all gonna see uh a rising tide sure i i could see yeah raising the bar right raising the bar is is something i just want more <laughs> i don't i'm not gonna go yeah, like I'm not going to go spend, you know, what, let's just say $600. I don't know what PS5 is going to cost. That's just a guess. Let's just say I don't, I don't want to go spend $600 to keep, you know, playing games when I don't feel like I'm getting anything else out of it. That's why I didn't buy a PlayStation 4 for 
many years. It wasn't until MKX that the is a straw that broke the camel's back. Oh, and and Just Cause Three. I waited till there were ten games that I wanted to own on PlayStation Four exclusively before I bought a PlayStation Four, like because it didn't excite me. You know what I mean? So it sounds like you're more excited for the software than the hardware. Right, and that'll always be the case with me. Yeah, I mean, I'm I would generally agree, um, but I was surprised that I found myself excited by this interview, and even though like load times, a, I guess I'll say drive thing sounds like just like just better, um, especially yeah, when that, that all games true. are going open world and making themselves shitty. Uh, maybe they can be less shitty, so that'd be nice. Uh, <laughs> I would I would argue that not all games are going open world. All right. We'll talk about it more later. Zelda went open world. What's left? I mean, Sekiro, that's not open world. Uh, alright. It's not. I mean, you go into an area and there's like different paths you can go, but it's not like, hey, you see that mountain? Go climb it. It's like, hey, you see that mountain? It's cool, isn't it? <laughs> like, that, that's the Sekiro line of things. It's like, yeah, there's, it's uh, I what I call like Monster Hunter. It's open map design. You know what I mean? And maybe yeah, you can transition through the whole. You can walk to everywhere on that map, but you're like it's not. There's definitely boundaries. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> sure. Um. So speaking about like the inter- integration of certain games, last thing I I want to touch on was there is some things we can tell, let's say, about the PlayStation 5 launch lineup. Obviously, from Sony, it's going to have backwards compatible, at the very least, uh, The Last of Us 2, um, Death Stranding, and Ghost of Tsushima, which is very much uh, visually similar to Sekiro, let's say. I forget it. I forgot about Ghost of Tsushima. Like, what is even... What is that even? Like, it's just the, that's just the title? It's a uh, open world melee action. You're a ninja game. I don't know. Okay. I just thought that was Sekiro, and then Sekiro came out, and you said Ghost of Tsushima. Like, oh, they're actually different. Okay. No, this is from the Sucker Punch, the infamous developers. Ah. Of the infamous series. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you meant. Yeah, not not the infamous developers that like kidnap people or something. <laughs> yeah, they tie women to train tracks and while well, right. old-timey music is playing. Right. Um no, yeah, I I know what you meant. Okay. So yeah, I just, I... yeah, those those games at minimum, but in terms of like the future, uh Horizon 2 uh is an obvious thing that's going to happen. God of War 2 was painfully teased in that first uh, game. NBA um, Q- 2K t- 2020. Uh, Madden, I don't, whatever. I don't care. And will be the big show. <laughs> but in terms of like, not right, sports yeah, games, game, not your games that we care about. <laughs> um. Oh shucks! What was the last one? Sorry, derailed you there. <laughs> yeah, looking just, forward to it. I'm getting all excited about sports games. Yeah, just PlayStation's uh, big series and new IPs are going to get uh, their second entries, basically, on PlayStation 5. Right. God of War 2. Yeah. Again. That's fight Thor. Wait, wait to fight Odin in the third game, though. <laughs> like the sequel. I'm seeing a pattern here. 
Yeah, yeah. They're okay. uh, taking their time with that. Yeah, no, I... And as as a general like lover of the gaming industry, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see the next gen coming up. Not specifically excited for PS5. I just I'll or eventually get it. Racing. I, um, I'll eventually get it. I mean, as much as I as I say like, oh, it doesn't do anything new, blah blah blah. I mean, I still got a PlayStation Four because of Mortal Kombat X, and then oh 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 oh, uh, Monster Hunter Six, obviously. Like, yeah. that's going to be so good. Can you imagine playing an Monster Hunter game without load times? And how much load times slow everything down? Uh, when EverQuest is, has that sort of, like, multiplayer lobby structure to it? You're hurting me. You're just hurting me. <laughs> Why am I hurting? Oh, because I'm going to make you buy this, like, obviously $500 or up console? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like I was like I was literally saying I should sell my PS4, and then they announced Monster Hunter World, and I was like, okay. I mean that's the great thing is that you will be able to sell your PS4 if it's backwards compatible. Uh no, no no I meant before Monster World was announced but yeah yeah I, I get what you're saying like yeah I, you know I'm very I'm very confused little tangent on uh, our roots here Monster Hunter like I'm very confused as to where Monster Hunter is gonna go because I feel like it's just gonna be here's portable version here's console version and I think we're gonna get two lines of Monster Hunter now I just I feel like that's what's gonna happen. I feel I like mean, we're going to get two separate lines of Monster Hunter that are mainstream Monster Hunter now instead of offshoots. Like We basically had that already. Uh, kind of. The portable team would always make the uh, handheld ports and the main team would always make... Like, second generation, the main team didn't even make the ultimate version. The, the portable no. team just made two portable games in a row, one of which was kind of incomplete. <laughs> Right, and then like you had Portable Third, which tied in stuff from Try and had some Try. Like it was weird. It's like, but we did get. I mean, the amazing Zenogre from Portable Third. You know, like, and now we had the Switch version, which the Switch version did really well. Like, for you know, for being on Switch, like, yeah, well, you know, and looking console, like a 3DS game. <laughs> that's yeah, that's I mean, the biggest kneecap to that game. Uh, it didn't look that bad, but yes, it was not as good as World, or it could have been better even on the Switch. But yes, that's it was like a it was bad for a remaster even, and remasters usually look mediocre. <laughs> I'm not like a graphic snob, but it, it's a 3DS game. It's true, uh, yeah, it was. It was originally a 3DS game. That's not a lie. It came out on 3DS in Japan, and we didn't get it. And then we, you know, we flipped our shit, and then we got because we got World, and we didn't get. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been there. I've been there. I've done that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're de they're definitely gonna be able to make a more graphicsy one for Switch, and then even more graphicsy one for PlayStation Seven. <laughs> the numbers continue. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're coming up on an hour, I guess. Uh, talk a little bit about what we've been playing and wrap it up. Sound good? Yeah, I know you've. I I can't hold you back anymore from talking about this. I know it's been torturing I, you. 
Uh, not really. It's not been torturing me. I do have a few things to say, though. Uh, <laughs> I won't talk about it much. Um, so I got Mortal Kombat 11. I've been very excited about this. I've talked about it multiple times on the podcast. Um, first things first, though, I actually have a complaint. Uh, and I already put this on Twitter. But I went to go. I pre-ordered the game because I want Shao Kahn. Because, yeah, I mean, like, as much as you shouldn't pre-order, I wanted Shao Kahn. Anyways, because um, I'm a huge Mortal Kombat fan. And uh, I pre-ordered on the Switch. Went into GameStop, uh, which is where I pre-ordered it. And I was going to get uh, the combat pack when I got there, which is the deal. Like, basically, here's the, yeah, you know, like the Zelda whatever pack that you bought the DLC beforehand, right? Um, so, like, I bought the combat combat pack. Well, they were like, oh, crap. Uh, it charged you for the Xbox version of the combat pack and not the Switch version. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, he's like, hold on, I'll fix that. And I'm like, cool. Um, and then the, the manager comes over and is like, there's no combat pack for Switch. Um, it looks like they're not going to get the DLC. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll get it on PS4 then. So now I have it on PS4 instead of the Switch because I'm not oh. going to get the DLC on the Switch. Oh, so, Haru. The console wars created. Uh, like, I put it on Twitter. I was like, look, I would have bought it on Switch, but you don't have the combat pack, so I bought it on PS4. And I'm going to be honest with myself. If I get into the game enough, I may still buy it on Switch and just have two copies of it because the idea of playing it on the go is very appealing. Um, so that, that aside, I have been playing it on PS4. Um, and all, all I'll say so far is I have finished the story and I talk a lot about how I don't enjoy video game stories a lot of the time. Uh, but there are exceptions and Mortal Kombat is one of those exceptions. Um, I can say, cause I literally just finished the story maybe an hour and a half before we started recording. Um, I can say, I won't say it's my favorite story in a video game ever, because that's a little sensationalist an hour and a half, you know, of course one already said that to me before the podcast. Shh, 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 shh. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, I can't objectively say that because I'm still like, that was awesome. But like, uh, yeah, it's pretty darn good. Um, I know that Gaijin Hunter watched it. Uh, we had a bit of a conversation on Twitter about that. Um, he just watched the story and he said it was really good. Um, yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited. I I love the story of Mortal Kombat because it's so wacky and out there. But this one, it works like really well. Um, the gameplay is super fun. Like I thought it was going to be weird because they changed up a lot of how the gameplay works, but they made it more accessible for people like me who aren't professional Mortal Kombat players. So I was actually pulling off combos fairly decently. Like I was actually like doing things. It felt kind of cool. So they kind of made it more accessible. I don't know how it does for the higher end tier. We'll see, you know, but super enjoyable so far. Um, my thumb hurts from playing too much. No joke. Like I have to take breaks because my thumb hurts. Uh, (laughs) so it's pretty awesome. Um, and that's all I'll say. I didn't want to talk about it too much. I just really like it. Well, who's your favorite character so far? I have not played all the characters, but, uh, in the story, they make you play many characters. Uh, ones that I enjoyed 
I, I can't say I, I there's one that sticks out in particular, but there's a couple that I was really good with. Uh, Scorpion, uh, I was decent with. I think Katana, uh, she was one of the ones I had troubles with at first, uh, but then I got the hang of her and I got decently good in the story with her. Uh, I would say the one I've done the best with is Jackie Briggs, uh, which is weird because she's like uh, one of the combat kids, is what they call them. Uh, one of the, the new generation of combat characters that are like the children of old combat characters. Uh, right. Uh, like, uh, Jackie was really fun to play. Um, and, I, just, uh, I like a lot of them. Like, and have you tried out, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender? Oh, you're talking about, uh, uh, uh I'm talking about the 11 year old, uh, boy that's in this Mortal Kombat game. No, 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 no. You're talking about <sighs> Citra. Ganesha, Citra. yeah. The Hindu goddess that's the elephant, you know? <sighs> no. Citra, the goddess uh, of virtue, is what she is, or something like that. She's actually an elder god uh, in the story. She's cool. I haven't played as her yet, but I have fought her uh, in the story. And she's interesting, I'll tell you what. Uh, My brother kicked my ass as her a couple times already. Um, So she's hard to fight against. (laughs) But yeah, no, I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, I haven't picked like a character that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try to learn this character really well yet. Uh, because I literally just finished the story. I haven't even done any of the arcade towers yet to see their tower endings, which are always non-canon, but fun. I would say, although, uh, one of my friends is saying in another discord that it was pretty bad. Whatever Jax's was, uh, I don't know what they mean by Jax's ending, but sure. I'll figure it out. I'll make that the first one. We can we can do spoilers uh, in a following week. Right, yeah. I don't have any spoilers for... I don't want to spoil it. It's really good. It's really damn good. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, just play it, watch it, whatever you want to do. So I've also been playing a fighting game this week. I uh, went back to Smash Brothers to play uh, Joker since he came out. Yeah. The Joker How is... is if anyone's wondering, not the Batman villain, but the protagonist from Persona 5. And... Right, much to my dismay, as I've said before. <laughs> yeah, he's... He is a... Just a... <laughs> Lelouch-looking MFR. Uh, he is very nimble and agile. Uh, he's a character with a meter built in, so as you take damage, you build up your meter, and your down okay. uh, ability is sort of built into that. And your okay. your your meter is what else? You summon your persona, which is which kind of powers up all of your moves and gives you probably a better uh, up special. Oh, okay. So his moves are he has a gun. That's uh, just a neutral, but even though it's neutral, you can do directional inputs after you press the the button and just hold it and just like spin around, spin and shoot the gun. Uh, North, South, East, West, uh, in the 2D fighting game kind of setup. Yeah. And the side ability is Ega, which is this darkness. Uh, little, he, it's so anime. He, like, snaps his fingers, and a little beam shoots out at, like, a downwards angle. If it hits enemies, <laughs> it applies a sort of sneaking damage effect, uh, damage over time. Uh, yeah, the, okay. The, the down ability is just a counter 
or reflect or something. I don't really understand how that mechanic works in Smash. Uh, and the up ability is he shoots a grappling hook, uh, which is new to me as a player for Persona 5, but okay. Uh, <laughs> it's also at sort of a, a diagonal angle upwards, and it's really hard to aim, but if you hit an enemy in midair with it, you can combo, you can drag them down to you and start comboing them, and like maybe knock them up in the air and use it again, and drag them back down. Like it's really slick if you can pull it off, but it's so precise. Like it's it's really hard if you're just a casual player to get that to work. So what you're saying is they introduced a new bayonetta. I uh, bayonetta is pretty pretty good, even if I'm not very good at it at playing the game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the, like another powerful character that no, a lot of he's are not be playing. Okay, he's good. He's not like good if you're bad at the game though he's not like so good that it's just a bit a, a superior pick regardless um right okay yeah and i don't know it just looks really cool with the persona arson uh which is the starter persona that's sort of the one that the most art design in persona 5 went into okay uh yeah there's some little nods here and there like is a final smash that's an all-out attack, uh, which is basically the exact same animation from, from Persona the video game. Uh, okay. Kind of yeah, like no. Mega Man's. Uh, I don't know if that... I'm, I'm not, I don't have any reference on the Mega Man series, so... Uh, Mega Man's final smash? You haven't seen it? Where all the different Mega Man's come in and shoot someone? Oh, you mean in that it, it summons other characters from the game? Yeah, like in this little cutscene kind of thing yeah something like that okay all right yeah and I, was... I have it i just i haven't played it yet <laughs> i've been playing Mortal Kombat. yeah it's interesting they haven't announced like the next dlc character yet even though they're still selling the pack but it's probably not ready to show um and i was also playing around with the piranha plant character who i actually really like even if they're just a generic uh mario enemy Mm-hmm. They just have some fun abilities, like the uh, spitting out the uh, the chain ball. Those those like spiky, uh, uh, almost like ball and chain kind of implements have like really uh, high launch values in Smash. Yeah, so you can just ruin people with them. And okay. the down the down special is you kind of re- recall into your pipe, and you like can aim directionally. And, and almost a 180 and just like shoot out and snap your jaws on someone. And that's really good for mm-hmm. just knocking people off the stage, basically. Yeah, I, yeah, I like I like him a lot. Piranha Plant is fun. <laughs> and then you have the, the, the helicopter uh, recovery ability that has like Which a real super super powerful. Like that can that can kill. Like it it's. It's got a lot of priority too. Like if if it's if if that piranha plant's coming at you with that, it's better to dodge it than to try to hit it. No, yeah, it's, you you have a lot of control over the direction you move in too for a recovery ability. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's one that can strangely be used very offensively too. Uh, if you know what you're doing, of course. If you do that too much, and then you end up falling off, and yeah, you die. But then you've played yourself. Okay. So yeah, that's that's basically everything. Okay, um, so I talked I talked earlier. Um, I was playing uh, Sekiro more. Uh, I got a lot more time with it recently. 
Um, I ended up, so I was, for the longest time, I was stuck at the bosses of Lady Butterfly and Gunobu, whatever his name is, the protector of the gate. Um, I got some help with a friend. I found the prosthetic, which is the firecrackers, um, to, like, so they basically told me where they are. And I got the firecrackers. I was able to defeat Gunobu. And then it sort of like went downhill from there. I've actually progressed quite far since. Um, I don't know how far it is, but like I've been doing side paths and that kind of stuff. I think I've beaten a total of like five bosses since we last talked. Like uh, I beat Gonobu, I beat Matt Lady Butterfly, I beat uh, there's a like a fiery bull. I beat him. I beat the shadowy purple longsword dude. Uh, he's actually, it's weird. He's actually in the beginning of the game where you start. You can actually find your way back to the beginning of the game, like before you get your arm cut off in the story. Um, like you, like you wake up in a, like, a, like a dark hole or something, um, or something like that. Like he's there, I guess, tracking you, like trying to find you. And I just went down there and it took a couple tries, but I killed him. Uh, I killed like this really tough spear dude that's like also towards the beginning of the game like it was just like all sorts of things I ended up killing uh, I'm actually in a part where I'm not uh, I'm not really sure it's like a different area it's like a side area um, I'm actually fighting a boss that like he's like literally you like I killed him in quotations but it didn't work like it gave me the dot to kill him but like he was like, I'm wearing armor, haha, you fool, and it just basically didn't work. And then he killed me. What? So, so the game just like refused to let you win. On that one guy, yeah. Like you have to do something else to him. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I have the prosthetic to do it. I think, which is the spear. It's supposed to tear off armor because his big thing is he had a lot of armor. Like he's actually wearing like a freaking like knight's like full plate of but, armor. But uh, everyone wearing armor also has a face, and if you stab their face, the face usually dies. I mean, you're not wrong, <laughs> but Sekiro says you're wrong. <laughs> all right, all right, from software, you're so talented. It's very skill based gameplay. Uh, I mean, it's a frustrating fight for sure. But yeah, I. That's where I'm at right now. I guess I'm trying to figure that out. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I got a lot more progress done. Um, but I've taken it out of the PlayStation to play Mortal Kombat for now. I'll go back to it, though. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's it for Sekiro. Um, oh, for sure. Another... I've said that many times this generation. <laughs> I'll go back to it. But uh, the only thing I've really had the, I guess, drive to play uh, in my free time is I've fallen into a, a hole of, of this sort of uh, farming life simulator Harvest Moon type game. This one mm -hmm. uh, is called My Time at Porsche. It's this small indie game. Uh, it looks a lot like Harvest Moon. like the, It's very crude 3D modeling. But yeah. it's, it's, just, it's a very appreciable in scope, I should say. Okay. So, the story is you, like, exactly like Stardew Valley, basically, you inherit a farm, and you, or sort of a workshop, uh, and you go there, and you're introduced to this town of, that's mostly rural, but it's actually, like, pretty, pretty built up, and the 
it creates this whole sort of like premise uh, where you're the city-state in this sort of post-apocalyptic but not like dismal world. So it's the, the post-apocalyptic okay. stuff is sort of in the background. So you're seeing these ruins of basically 21st century buildings and all this like ancient tech that's like sprockets and like oil and you know computer chips. Oh, so not unlike Monster Hunter. <laughs> no, I, I I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Closer to Horizon Zero Dawn, if we had to put a, but not that far future necessarily. Right. But yeah, it's sort of this uh, real world fantasy, uh, post apocalyptic setting, where you you know there's everyone in the town. There's thirty or so characters. Most of them only really have one line of dialogue uh, when you approach them, but I haven't gotten far into the relationship system, so who knows how much uh, the character interactions evolve. Right. And it's it's just really fun because there's a crafting tree of, you know, you you go mine, you you smelt bronze, then you get your bronze stuff, then you go uh, and unlock the higher tier mining place, and you get iron and yada yada. And the right. same, like, you upgrade your axe to lumber bigger and bigger bushes and trees. And there's this idea of l- lumbering bushes. <laughs> yeah, um, and there's just, like, this uh, crafting tree that you progress through. It's the main progression mechanic of the game, uh, like okay. a lot of these games. It's not, it's not only a farming sim, because, uh... I guess the focus of it, whereas Stardew Valley would be farming, this is you can make all these different objects and furniture like Animal Crossing and uh, equipment and just sort of di- different uh, components for crafting and this workbench. Okay. So you're more of like a, like a carpenter or a builder than like just a farmer. Um, farming is a hobby. <laughs> No, but yeah, there's you can you can fish in this game. There's uh, there's a there's a combat system and a couple of different enemy types. And there's dungeons that are sort of randomly generated. Uh, the combat's real. Uh, <laughs> it's an Simple. indie game. Yeah. So it's sort I of mean, in, yeah, sort of mashy. This sounds like a just a 3D. To me, this is sounding more like a 3D Stardew Valley because. You got all that stuff in Stardew also. I think it's more fleshed out in the crafting system from what I can understand. Um, but, yeah, there's fighting mechanics. You go down to a dungeon. There's fishing in Stardew Valley. Actually, that's my favorite tactic is to do fishing in Stardew. Um, like, that's kind of weird. It's so similar sounding, at least. I haven't played, I haven't seen uh, my time in Porsche, but it sounds very similar. Yeah, I'd say the combat system is a little bit more uh, in depth. You sure. know, for the, like, there's it's not just like your link uh, to the past, like swinging your sword in, in a two D arc. There's actual like a four stage combo, and you get like a dash attack. Um, huh, okay. It's a little more involved there. Okay. Yeah, so I'm still in the stages of the game where you're going through the main. There's a main quest, which is interesting. Uh, okay. It, it kind of just resurfaces, like you do one event, and then it goes in the past and then you wait till your next day in game or so and eventually another event will crop up uh and through this quest you sort of uh open up the world and like you build bridges to an island 
And there's a desert off in the distance I haven't gotten to yet. I just access this sort of uh, wasteland, this polluted wasteland that uh, has a bunch of ruins from the old world in it. And it's got a monster, uh, monster population. Okay. Hmm. So yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't get too samey too fast because I reached that point in Star- Stardew Valley. Or it's just like, I don't need to grind everything. I don't. Right. Yeah, here's hoping for a more in-depth relationship system, too. Hey, you're married. Your relationship is done. Wow, that's I... pretty dark, Stardew. <laughs> I mean, I understand that compromise, because a lot of games have to dictate when, where to uh, allocate resources. Right, that's true. <laughs> like Mass Effect, Skyrim, all those things sort of have these binaries. Yeah, getting married in Skyrim was like literally for the utility, and that's it. Like, <laughs> no, yeah, that was definitely something that's like thrown in. Yeah, it's just like an addendum to the follower system. But um, yeah, I think pretty we much had one last game we wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, so Titan Quest. Uh, I've talked about this quite a lot. It's a Diablo-like RPG. Um, I just uh, I have been pouring a lot of hours into it. In fact, I'm gonna look right here. Um, I have put 156 hours into it lately, and that's a lot for what I normally get to play. But that's like when I'm like watching a show or something, uh, I'll have it on one screen of my computer, and I'll be playing Titan Quest on the other screen. Um, and like, I don't know why this game has sunk its teeth into me so hard. Like, it's it's like I played this game in 2006 and I, I never played it for like as this long as I have and this much of a spurt but I did something that I have never done with this kind of RPG in fact it's why I stopped playing uh, Path of Exile I got so far and my build or whatever whatever I did I've hit a wall like a wall where it's like incredibly hard to get to progress because for whatever reason like I don't have the right gear or I didn't allocate the skill points the right way or I did something wrong with my build that isn't efficient enough to get past where I'm at so instead of putting down the game I started a second character in the idea to get further and farm for my first character and I have no idea why this is I've never done this in any other game I have never been like, I hit a wall, let's try a different path. Most of the time, it's I hit a wall, I'm kind of done for now. Like, I'll Mule. try again in Characters. a couple months. Mule. Characters. Mule. Um. I mean, it's not a mule. Like, it's an actual, like, different, uh, like, a total different build, total different thing that I'm actually playing through and trying to see if I can get further. And if I get gear for my other character, I will put that on that character and see if I can progress further on that one. Like... It just blows my mind. Like, I've never done this. I've never even done this in Diablo. Like, I've had multiple characters in Diablo, but I've never started a second one specifically be like, okay, maybe I can get further with this one and help out my other one. Like, I i don't know why. Um, I actually got stuck at the end of the original game, like, before the two expansions, the final boss of the original game, on the second playthrough, because, like... It's like old-style Diablo. It's like you play through once, you play through a second time, then you play through the third and final time. And you don't get to fight the Hydra until you get to the third playthrough, so I kind of want to get to the third playthrough. (laughs) Oh, so, right, you were saying that's on the box art or something? 
Yeah, yeah, it's on the box art, and I've never fought it. So, like, I kind of want to fight it. So that might be my motivation, but yeah. So I, I was doing uh, a runesmith, which is, I've talked about it before. You have, like, uh, nine or eight or something different masteries, and you combine two masteries to make a class. So a runesmith is defense plus uh, uh, the rune something. Uh, rune, we'll call them rune people, and basically Vikings. And, like, you mix those two together and you get a runesmith. Well, I'm doing hunting and earth, which made me an Avenger? I don't... Suddenly I'm part of the MCU, I guess? I don't know. Hunting but and I use earth. Bows. Yeah, hunting mm. mastery and earth mastery. And you put them together and I'm called an Avenger. Oh, Was it earth? Is that, like, your Avenger of the planet or that kind of thing? I... F- yeah maybe so hunting mastery deals with spears and bows uh and they get like bonuses to beast damage and like they they do a lot of damage against beasts because they're hunters and that kind of thing uh they have some like uh minor healing abilities but mostly it's like like a ranger think of them like a ranger in D &D. yeah um and earth mastery is one of the spell casting ones that deals with fire and rock and that kind of stuff so you have like a uh, you have like a the only thing I'm really using out of that mastery as far as like skills is like there's a a buff that adds fire damage to your weapons and there's like a buff that gives like stone skin that gives you extra armor and that kind of stuff so it's like you mix the two and I'm the Avenger like I don't understand the naming conventions on some of these things but yeah so my Avenger bow user playthrough is going quite smoothly uh, I've made it there's five acts uh, with a second expansion I'm in Act 3 of my first playthrough with that one. So, yeah. <laughs> it's just going. So, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I I just felt inspired to keep playing. In fact, um, I'm going to be playing a third character here soon because my brother's going to start playing. So, I don't know. I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand why. That's nice that you can... Um, I always enjoy a game when you become familiar enough with it that you can just sort of, like start playing with it and you don't feel like you're too pressed to to uh, learn this new mechanic or avoid this right. certain like super dangerous level that's like really grating. Right, yeah. And yeah, and those kind of games I like to explore everything to you. And unlike Diablo, it is not randomly generated uh, generated maps. It is a set map that you walk through. Like it never changes. Like the, the quests are always the same. Um, I don't know. I still enjoy it. The loot's randomized though. So. Do you like, yeah, do you like the uh, level design of the dungeons? Oh, yeah, they're decent. Um, like you, like if you're going to explore, most of the time it's worth it. Like most of the time there'll be a box with, you know, items that kind of stuff, which is what you're looking for essentially in that kind of game. So. It's got a weird rarity system for items. So it's like, think of like, so Diablo, it's like, hey, here's blue, which is magical. And then here's yellow, which is like extra magical. And then here's legendary, which is like what you want. And then the set items, which are just different kinds of legendary that that go together. Well, this is not that different. Here's yellow that's magical. And then green that's like really magical. And then you have blue which is the set items but then the purple ones which are the equivalent to legendaries but they're better than the set items like 
if you find a purple, which I found two on my first character that didn't have anything to do with my character, um, a purple replacing like a, like if you have a full set of blues, like you get like all these extra bonuses, a purple will not only be better than whatever blue slot, but it will actually offset the whole freaking set bonus from how powerful it is. So like finding a purple is like insanely good. Hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I'm going to end up doing is just sort of farming for my other character when I get done with this one. And I might actually try doing like a third playthrough, just play something else. Like, I, I don't know. I like that style of game. Uh, I was playing Diablo, if you remember, and I didn't finish Diablo because like I've played it so much and there's not that kind of variation in Diablo. You sort of finish it and you're done. Like there's not a, not a lot of variation to it, but, and you have three classes, right? That's it. Right. There's, and then this one, how much one, can you, you play can... first edition D and D? If there's like, I don't know what, uh, thirty right. monsters yeah, or something. Right. Yeah, there's like, like seven or eight classes, and one of them is elf, and one of them is dwarf. Like you can't even mix a, dwar- you can't be a dwarven fighter or anything like. Yeah, it's. Play sequels are good sometimes. Right. So I'm excited to keep playing Titan Quest, which is kind of weird. And it's the game I've been aside from Mortal Kombat, like the the past day because i literally got it at 9 p.m last night um like it's the game i've been most excited to play like i like sekiro um but i am more into titan quest right now (laughs) so yeah um yeah but that's it um we're about 20 minutes over what we like to do normally but hey i think it's it's good hey man we had to cover those teraflops there's a lot of teraflops flying around on that good old PS5, not called PS5, right? Yeah. So we'll wrap it up here, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Fortwan. You can check me uh, out on Twitter at Hunter's Hub Pod, um, where you'll see me be talking about MK11 for now. Um, and then we'll see if I get ranting on Titan Quest or not. Um, and then maybe some movies because I did watch another movie uh, I, I didn't mention this but I also watched Shazam like Sunday so like I've been doing a lot of things um, but yeah so anyways uh, I will see you guys next quest and on that quest where will you be Haru? oh I will be on Twitter uh, at Akanesdagran. Uh fair warning I've probably liked some Game of Thrones tweets so you might I don't know you might Avoid see spoilers. if you follow me you might see something pop up in your feed so if you're not current uh you know don't go on twitter but um i i've been pseudo convinced to watch game of thrones because my brother watches it so we're going to go through the whole series because i've never seen all of it i've seen a couple episodes here and there look Um, like people in a room lit by sconces talking uh yeah lots of sex